cross on a hill called Calvary. Our Savior was crucified. His blood was shed, and as that happened, the veil in the temple was torn, and it was ripped from top to bottom. And what used to separate man from being able to go into the Holy of Holies in the, in the tabernacle, now it, it no longer exists because you and I can enter. We have a great high priest who's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And we can go because the doors swing open wide. And the scripture says that we can approach the throne room boldly. We can walk in because his grace is enough. That's why we get excited. Because the veil, amen, was torn. And the doors swing wide. Amen. We see glory in the house of God. We see glory in the presence of God. There's nothing like his presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the fact that you and I, as just common, ordinary, sinful people, could have access into His presence, we could access His glory, that's something to really get excited about. That's not something to just fold your arms and stick your hands in your pocket and say, oh, well, I'll wait until dinner. No, that's something to say, thank you, God. Thank you for access. Thank you that I can enter into the throne room. Thank you that I can feel your presence today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We don't deserve it, and we can't earn it, but his love makes a way for us. Amen. I'm so thankful, so thankful for what God is doing for those of you that don't already know, and maybe you're watching online, I'm Pastor A.J. Dummett, the lead pastor here, and I welcome all of you, amen, to this wonderful Sunday service. And I want to thank all of you that are watching online, because most people, and I would ask for a show of hands, but uh, we already know there's several people here that you watched us before you came here. And uh, so if you're tuning in online, thank you for tuning in online today. But do make plans to come check us out in person. Amen. Amen. We would love to meet you. I would like to turn your attention to the book of John chapter 13, and I am going to read just two verses, and I will let you be seated. I know that you've been standing a while. I have two, so I'll just keep standing, and in a minute, I'll let you just be seated. But thank you for those of you who are standing for the word of the Lord. Amen. John chapter 13, and we will begin reading at verse number 34. We're continuing on in our DNA series today, and uh most of you, we, we kind of talked about this a few weeks ago last week. Uh, my uncle Alonzo was here. I got to see part of the message uh, preached about that Jesus is coming and we need to be ready. Amen? And don't ever forget, he is coming soon. When everybody says, ah, where's the sign of his coming? He may not be. He is coming soon. Amen? I don't care what, what's going on in this world. It doesn't matter what's happening around us. Jesus will return. He will return. He will. Amen. He made us a promise. Amen. John chapter 13, and let's read together verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. As I have loved you. Wow. Just stop right there. As I have loved you. We just kind of skip over that a lot of times. Well, I, like, I love people. As... As I have loved you, Jesus says, that ye also love one another. And then he says, by this 
Shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Amen. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for what we already feel in this place. Let your presence, God, touch each and every one of us and draw us closer to you in this house. And God, we will give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In recent years, discovering family trees has grown in popularity. There used to be just one or two ways that you could do that. Now there are multiple ways, and you can start simply uh, by just going online and researching uh, how can I find out my family ancestry, and you'll get all kinds of ads. If you search for it one time on Facebook for days and days and days on Facebook, you will get ads. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But it has become the craze to find out who you are and to find out where you came from. And, and people want to know where they came from. It helps them to understand who they are. And, and two weeks ago, I said that DNA tells us who we are and where we came from. And we have to be, uh, be very uh, careful that we pay attention to our DNA, the DNA, amen, that we get spiritually when we're born again. And uh, so in this uh, commercial, I'm going to show you a little Ancestry.com commercial. And uh, I want you to see, I think, I honestly think that some of these are hilarious personally, but uh, you may not. But I want to show you this so that you can kind of understand what I'm talking about. Growing up, we were German. We danced in a German dance group. I wore lederhosen. When I first got on Ancestry, I was really surprised that I wasn't finding all of these Germans in my uh, tree. I decided to have my DNA tested through Ancestry DNA. The big surprise was we're, we're not German at all. 52% of my DNA comes from Scotland and Ireland. So I traded in my lederhosen for a kilt. Ancestry has many paths to discovering your story. Get started for free at Ancestry.com. Kyle learned about his, uh, the heritage of his DNA. All along, he had been thinking he was German. I don't want to offend anybody here. That's not a bad thing, you know. But he was thinking this whole time that he was German all the while to find out he wasn't German at all. Zero percentage of him was German. So uh, he was dressing in Lederhosen. He was dancing around and probably went to Oktoberfest, but he was, he was not really German. He had to discover what his DNA really was. And uh, as you saw, he, he had a lot of uh, Irish in him, so he said he traded the lederhosen in for the, the kilt. But uh, I don't know. I, I think when you notice this, uh, when he truly found out who he was, it changed a lot about what he understood about himself. And it even changed the way he dressed. My, my, look, I'm not, I'm not going to pick on anybody today. But when you realize you are a child of the king, you don't dress like... There's something, there's something to being a child of the king. Amen. And when you realize you're really royalty and he's got, you got royal blood flowing through your veins, it changes the way that you view yourself. It makes you look at yourself differently. It changes your perspective and your outlook on life. You need to trade in the lederhosen if you're not German. I, I remember we were doing a, a service, a uh, all-nation service, and one of the German families said, Pastor, we can get you some lederhosen. And I said, no, thank you. 
because I'm, I'm, I'm going to do one of these tests one of these days, and I'm pretty sure I'm part German, but I am not that much German. I'm just saying. But if we look into our spiritual DNA, we might actually find something different than what we were expecting. Because the world that we live in, society that we live in, and church all around us, their spiritual DNA doesn't necessarily line up to what the early church DNA looked like. The spiritual DNA of, of any random church out of, you know, maybe a hundred in the area that you could go to, uh, you would find maybe a few things that were like it, but a lot of things that were nothing like the original church. And, and some people say, well, wasn't the Catholic church the original church? No, no. The apostolic church was actually the original church. Amen. It was the first church established after the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And I'm not going to get into all of the, the, the specifics today, but when we are uh, born again, and a lot of times we, we think about our DNA and we describe our second birth whenever we're talking about our DNA and our spiritual DNA, when, when somebody is born again of water in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they're filled with the Spirit of God, with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues. There is a definite spiritual connection that happens. Something spiritually changes about your DNA. You are no longer just whatever your name is. You're no longer just Maddox. Now you are Maddox Jesus. Now something has changed about you. You're no longer the same as you used to be. Sometimes we try to act like we are the same as we used to be, but we are not the same as we used to be. Sometimes we forget and we try to act like the old us. We, we, we forget that we are special, we are called out, we are a royal priesthood and holy nation, that we are, are, are to show forth the praises of Him who has called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. But a lot of times when we look at that spiritual connection and we think about our spiritual birth, but that just doesn't explain the totality of our spiritual DNA through Jesus Christ. Just because you're born does not mean that everything is going to go smoothly from there on out. You've got to grow. You've got to show some of those characteristics and traits that uh, are part of your family. I, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, I told somebody yesterday, I said, uh, you know, two children is awesome. And at three children, you really begin to parent. You're not really parenting until three kids. I can only say that because I have three and I'm... Just being silly, but uh, the, the, the truth of the matter is uh, people who have one child, they think it's tough, and then they're like, oh, two children, and then three, and then some people go, and they keep going four, five, six, seven, eight. Um, I, you know, that's awesome. That's great, because then the, the children start parenting the kids. But anyways, uh, my, my take on this is that as I have watched my three children, they all are different, very different. Extremely different. I mean, even, even their genetics are different. You know, the older one's shorter, the younger one's taller. I don't know. And the baby is going to probably grow past all of us. But here's the thing. They're all different. They all have different little things about them. But a lot of the things that they have, we are always trying to figure out. Did you get that from me? Did you get that from her? 
get that from, and you know, so they have, some of their favorite ones are they like, I got that from Nana, or I got that one from Grammy, or I got this from Pop, and they like, they like to try to figure out who they are because of their DNA. You know, they, they realize sometimes you just, you can just watch people, you know, you just watch people. And, and whenever I was getting ready to get married, somebody said, now, if you, you know, this, one of my friends at, at school said, you need to, you need to really like her mother. Because if you don't really like her mother, guess what? She's going to turn into her mother in a few years. So it's a good thing, Donna. It's a good thing we have a good relationship and I really like you. Because Kathy is more like her, and she is very much like her mom and her dad, more and more every day. And my wife's probably thinking, yep, and you're like your parents more every day too. The point that I'm trying to make is we consider our DNA where we came from and the character traits that we have and, and the types of personality that we have. My wife loves to talk about how Ashton loves to push people's buttons just like his dad. He loves to do it, just like his dad. He loves to push buttons. Do you know where I got that? Yeah, it runs in my family too. <laughs> Most of you already knew that. The reason that we do some of the things that we do, it's already been built into our DNA. Now, uh, some people say, oh, well, that's my excuse. I, I can't change because it's just built into my DNA. No, there are things that I didn't keep with my family. There are things that I realized they needed to be different, and so I grew and I matured past some things that I realized I need to do a better job, and that's what we should be doing for our children is don't make the same mistakes that I made. I feel like being a pastor for just a minute or two. Some of you are allowing your kids to do things, and you're allowing your teenagers to do things because, hey, that's how I grew up. Well, guess what? You weren't saved when you grew up. You weren't spiritually right. You weren't thinking straight. So some of the things that you're saying, well, it's probably okay. I did it when I was growing up. No! It's not all right. Some of the worldly uh, environments and things that you allow your kids to go to, and they're supposed to be spiritually born again. I'm, I'm not, look, I'm not calling out anything in particular. I'm just saying, overall, we've got to think like saved people. We, we can't think, you know, well, you know, it was okay for me, and I, I think it was all right. I don't think they'll do anything. You know, I don't think they'll get themselves into any. Why put them in that position? Amen. They're kids, they're teenagers. They're going to make mistakes. Don't make it easy for them to make mistakes. Don't put them in position to make mistakes. you got to consider your family DNA. Once you're born again, your family DNA has, has changed. It's gotten an upgrade. You now have the blood of Jesus, amen, in your life. You now have the blood of Jesus that covers you. And so you begin to take on His DNA. You begin to take on His character and His attributes. And you do that through the power of the blood. And sometimes we get a little confused and we're like, well, what's, what, what does that mean? How do we do that? What, what should that look like? Well, we know first and foremost that Jesus showed love. 
Love was the primary characteristic of Jesus. In fact, everything that you see Jesus doing uh, is, is out of love. And, and so because of our spiritual DNA, this is a church where people should be known for their love or by their love. Now, can I just pause and say that doesn't mean that you never correct that doesn't mean that you never chasten. That doesn't mean that you never punish. That doesn't mean that it's just a free-for-all. Oh, you don't understand. I just love my kids so much. No, read the Scripture. It says if you don't deal with them, spare the rod, spoil the child. It says if you don't discipline them, you hate them. That's what the Scripture says. So don't tell me you love them if you're not keeping them in line. Well, anyways, man, I don't know why I'm, that's not in the notes today. Maybe somebody just needs to hear it. Maybe some of you teenagers, you just need to hear it. When we live by love and we're known by love, even a love that keeps things in line and says, hey, this is tough love right now, and I love you, but I need to tell you something, right? I mean, you love your kids enough to tell them not to touch a hot stove not to stick their finger into a light socket. So sometimes you just have to be, hey, hey, I love you, but this is, you know, that's going to hurt. I love you, but this is not going to be good. <laughs> the, the path you're on is not a good path for you right now. And it's okay, parents, spiritual parents, it's okay. You need to tell them. You need to make that known. But when we live by this love, then we can love others and have the kind of relationship that God intended for us to have. And so he intends for us to have life more abundantly. You guys already knew. How can you have life more abundantly when you don't have love? You can't. It's impossible. It's impossible to truly have life abundantly when there is, and I'm not talking about relational with other people. I'm talking about love first that you have received from Jesus. And you said, I accept, I receive that love, and God, I love you in return. And you embrace that love, and you return His love. And then as you continue to develop in your relationship with Him, and, and you get closer to Him, and your love for Him grows, and you can accept more of His love for you, then you begin to see people in a different light. You begin to understand that we're all flawed humanity, and none of us is perfect. And it makes it easier, now I'm not saying it's easy, but it makes it easier to love those who sometimes are unlovable. When God expressed His love to us, the scripture says it was while we were yet sinners. And you know what? He said, as I have loved you, that means you need to love some people in your life while they are yet sinners. While they are yet transgressing against you. While they are yet up in your business and you don't like it. Come on, we're all human. There are days when you want to choke people. There are. There are days, you know. And it's on those days that sometimes it's hard for us to love like we should. I told, I told somebody I had a, a day this week where I wanted to choke somebody. And I told them that. And they said, was it, was it something they did? I said... Uh, well, it was really probably a little bit of them and a whole lot of me. And so what had to be worked out was, was my love, my patience, you know. Um, so when we think about love, we have to understand it's a God thing. God is love. 
and he enables us to love. And if we're not made perfect in love, then, then God is not flowing in us. If we're having trouble loving, if we're having trouble forgiving, if we're having trouble letting go and having good relationships and, and actually expressing that love and showing his love, then guess what? Something is wrong. Something needs fixed. Our DNA, uh, we need to get back to that and realize, hey, we're not leader hosen. We're, we're not, we, we, we thought we were something, but, but that's not who we really are. And we need to get back into the Word and find out who we really are. We need the Spirit of God to speak into us and remind us, you are my child. Amen. You are royalty. You need to act. Come on, somebody. You need to behave. You need to dress. You need to speak. You need to love. As I have. And when we are expressing the love of God in its truest form, it doesn't simply stop at the church doors. It stretches out to our community. Our community knows this is, that's, a, that's a loving church. I, I, you know, I've not, and I'm, I'm just going to, I'm not bragging, okay, but I'm, I've not ever been any place around town where somebody said this was a hateful church. I haven't. I've, I've heard this is a friendly church. That's a loving church. That's, a, that's such a nice church. That's such a wonderful church. There's are wonderful people. That, that's good because it would make me nervous if, our, if our, uh, uh, our reputation in the community was, man, those are hateful people. They pick you apart as soon as you walk in the door. They, they made me feel so uncomfortable. I'll never go back. That preacher, man, I'm telling you, he was, he was just up there railing on everything. And, and, and he didn't even, I, didn't know, I don't think he even loved anybody in that church. That's, that's not the kind of church we want to have. Amen. When we have a church that expresses and shows the love of God, it goes beyond the four walls of our church. And it, it, it carries over because this is a truth preaching church. This is, a, this is a church. Now, now I'm, 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 I, I know some of you are like, well, you know, that's fine, truth, truth, truth. It's just part of our DNA. It's one of those things that if you look into the Word of God, you can't get away from. You'll discover truth is part of our spiritual DNA. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. So this is a church where truth is cherished and it's proclaimed in sermons. It's, it's, it's proclaimed in small groups. It's talked about in our children, our student ministries, and in a world and sadly often a church where truth is relative and it's subject to anyone's opinion or preference. The church becomes a place where God and truth and redemption that we have in Jesus gets lost in politeness and political correctness. And church just becomes a place that you join. But truth, no, truth will set you free. Truth has the power, amen. If you've got things in your life that are locking you up, truth has the power to set you free. If you've got habits and addictions, if you've got relationships and issues and you got all these things and you don't know what to do, the scripture says you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Come on, somebody. You need the truth. That's what... That's what separates us out. We're not like everybody else. You can go to social clubs and spiritual feel-good places, but the truth will set you free. So we can't ever get away from the truth. We can't ever get away from the love. Amen. Because those are in our DNA. This church needs to be a place, and I, I've said this before, but this church needs to be a place where everybody feels welcome. Now, 
I know some of you get nervous. You say, well, everybody, Pastor? Yeah, everybody needs to feel welcome here. We've had a few interesting people, a few interesting characters come in here, and, and I want them to feel welcome. Because, you know, I, every time we get somebody that, that I'm just a little nervous, I wonder if we might just be entertaining angels unaware. And I wonder if Jesus is sometimes putting us to the test to the least of these. And so, don't ever worry or wonder, well, what does pastor think about someone? Well, I'm glad they're here. But they're not anything like us, pastor. They're really different. They're all, all you don't even understand. It's okay. It's, this is the best place for them to be. Amen? This, this is the best place for them to be. Now, if they're coming to cause harm, or if they have a dangerous intent, or if they are going around doing things that the Scripture says, causing division, stuff like that, we'll deal with it then. But let's give them a chance to be loved by Jesus and let the truth set them free. Amen. This ought to be a church where everybody's welcome. Amen. It needs to be a place where atheists and agnostics and people from other religions can, can come and not just know that they are loved, but there is truth in life found in Jesus Christ. And it needs to be a place where even skeptics are welcome because we know God can handle hard questions. We're not afraid. We're not worried. God can handle it. Amen. And sometimes people come in and they've just been so uh, hardened by the things of their life and the things in the world, but just one touch from Jesus can turn all of that around. So this needs to be a place where they can find Jesus. This needs to be a place where they can find hope and love and truth. Amen. This is a church that can truly, and I can testify to this, it can truly feel like a second family. This church, now look, not everybody's going to understand this. And I try not, I'm going to try not to break down as I do this. But this church, it can be your second family. It really can. I, I'm not just saying that. But you decide. You decide whether or not it becomes your second family or just a place that you show up every once in a while. That's your choice. We, nobody's going to twist your arm. We will spread the table. We'll have family dinner. We want to have get-togethers. We want you to come over. But it's just like anything else with any other family. If you choose to stay away, that's your choice. And if you choose to stay away, a lot of times you're forfeiting the blessing of family. The blessing of getting to, well, it's not a blessing to be in my family. We fight all the time. Well, every once in a while we fight around here. Not everything is perfect, you know. Uh, I've been pastoring here for 18 years. There's several, especially the first five to ten years that I was here. Man, I didn't, like, I didn't know how to bring the family together sometimes. I'm like, I don't know. This person's mad at that person. This person, oh, God, help us. And we just pray. I didn't know what to do. No, no family's perfect. But you know what? When family comes together and they lay aside their differences and, and they just choose to love one another and they choose to get along and... Let the power of God flow. Come on, somebody. Something can happen in a spiritual family, and this can be your second family. It, it More than just a place of worship, it can become your place of fellowship. I find we have way too many people, and I, I, I don't know 
who all I'm talking to, but I, I find we have way too many people. We're talking about discipleship and DNA. We're, we're talking about becoming who we were meant to be. And, and, and I, this is something that frustrates me. I told Brother Cooper this a few weeks ago. I said, sometimes we, we want people to come in. We want them to get the Holy Ghost. We want them to be baptized in Jesus' name. And then we're like, okay, now, you know, and I'm not saying that we say this, but this is how sometimes people, they, they, they think that this is what we want. We're like, okay, now leave all of your old friends and all of your old contacts, and you can't have any contact with those people anymore. Now you are ours. That's not right. That's not right. Now, there are those of you that you understand the, the healthy way of having boundaries whenever you don't want to fall back into some things that you came out of. Those things are healthy. There may be some people that you need to be a, a little bit, give a little bit of distance for a time so that you don't get pulled back into the alcohol or you don't get pulled back into the drugs or, or into the party life or, or, or whatever it is, into the, the things that you came out of. You may need to stay away from a few people for, for those times because if they have no intention of making things right or getting better or doing what God wants them to do, then there are those people that you just have to kind of love them from a distance. But God never intended for you to give up all of your old family, all of your old friends, all of your old contacts. He, that's not what He intends. Because He talks about the church as a light Light shines in light, but light shines better in darkness. And, and the whole reason that Jesus saved you, amen, and filled you with his light was so that you could shine to everybody around you. He didn't, come on, he didn't save you just to bring you into the lighthouse. He saved you so that you could shine wherever you go. It's his intention that you see your friends and your family members saved. It's his intention that you shine in the darkness of their lives. It's his intention, amen, that you reach them with the gospel of love and truth. No matter who they are. You don't know my family. <laughs> yeah, you don't know mine. <laughs> we all have people like that in our family. Guess what? Jesus died for them too. <laughs> you know, it, it's easy for us to like, we could sit in church, oh yes, Jesus loves me. <laughs> and he loves them too. I know he does. But I ain't doing nothing about it. Because <laughs> they get on my last nerve. And I don't want, I don't want to have to put up with them. Like, I don't like seeing them at family dinners once a year. I don't want to have to see them every week at church. Y'all think I've been in your living room, don't you? Somebody told me the other day, they said, they said, you know, I love my family. I just don't like them very much. I said, well, you know, I understand there are times like that, but you know, the, the great thing about families that, that are truly families that love each other is they work through things. They communicate, they talk, everybody doesn't always agree, but they can come to a resolution that everybody can be okay with. And so this is a church that needs to be a second family to a lot of people. Because yes, God calls us out of darkness into his marvelous light, but... It's for the purpose of setting us ablaze so that we can shine. 
He's got, a, you know, and I'm just going to say this. This is, this is a true statement. It's from the Word of God. I'm going to say this, and some of you may not like it, but this is how it is. God saved you so that He could save the rest of your family. God saved you so that He could save your friends and your coworkers. He didn't save you just to get you out of hell. He saved you because He wants to save others. It's not about us. It's about Him. It's about what He wants. It's for His glory. And so when we get saved and our life gets changed, there ought to be something in our DNA that says, hey, I'm not the same as I used to be. God's doing something in me. He's making me brand new. Amen. And we grow into a community of believers. That's where that word, when we have communion, that's where it comes from. So we have communion. We're in community. There's a closeness there where anybody can worship with us and come to us for prayer. Our culture can breed isolation and it can breed false hopes of community. But the church can be the place of real community where people can really be connected. When they started the social media, they, they did some some kind of crazy stuff, but one of the things, they had, a, they had this place, it was supposed to be where Christians could get uh, connected, and they called it Everyone's Connected. I don't know if you remember, anybody remember Everyone's Connected? It was like, Everyone's Connected, it was, for, it was supposed to be for like Christians to be connected. Well, not everyone got connected, obviously. And then along came Facebook, and Facebook says, you've got 2,000 friends. How many of you woke up this morning and felt like you had 2,000 friends? I did not. Matter of fact, if I posted an emergency post on my uh, Facebook story, I, I think some of you would be like, oh, pastor, is everything okay? I'd probably get like five people that would be like, is everything okay? I'm like, you know, some people do it so much that people are just like, oh, it's just another emergency there. But anyways, <laughs> y'all know I'm telling the truth. That's why you're laughing. You know, you, somebody came to your mind. But that's false. That, as, as the president says, that's fake news. That's not really happening. You really don't have 2,000 people that will come to your aid at a moment's notice. <laughs> and, and so we've got this, this kind of virtual reality that makes us think, well, all these people, you know, and, and we look at their pictures on social media, and we look at their post, and we get depressed. Why is my life so bad and their life is so good? Why is my face so messed up and their face looks perfect? It's filters, filters. <laughs> Y'all know I'm telling the truth, but that's what we deal with in our world. We deal with a world that, that is so uh, false, it, it's so fake, it's so phony. But not here. Not here, because here is a place, and this is why some people don't stick around. Let's just be honest. Can we just be honest? Let's just be honest. Here is a place where if you stick around for very long, we're going to ask you to take off your mask. We may not actually say those words. Those words might not actually come out of our mouth, but that's what we mean. And we'll tell you stuff like, you can be real with us. It's okay. And, and when sometimes we have our, our small groups or we have a Bible and we're having discussion with people and, and sometimes people are like, you know, uh, and they start telling us this big line and I'm just thinking, I just, just be real. It's okay. Just be real. 
Just, just be yourself. It's okay. This is a place where you can be yourself, and people can see all the ugly side, and they can still love you. Amen. Amen. Has anybody ever made a big fool of yourself? You made a big fool of yourself. You said or did something. You acted ignorantly. And let's just be honest. What was the next thought that came to your mind? I can never come back here. Maybe it was a restaurant. (laughs) Maybe it was school. I don't know. But your thought was, okay, I've ruined this place. We can never go back. Do you know that, that whenever people, people get out of sorts at church sometimes? No, I'm just going to look. I'm trying to be real. I'm off my notes, but I'm trying to be real with you right now. You can get out of sorts at church quickly, and here's why. Because you're dealing with eternal matters. Your soul is weighing, it's, just, it's like hanging in the balance. And, and so you're, you're trying to weigh these eternal decisions of what you're going to do with your life. If you're going to surrender completely to God, if you're going to hold on to things, and how you're going to handle that. And so when you're at church and things get down to the nitty gritty, you can get out of sorts real quick. Because the moment you say, I'm going to go God's way, I want to be pleasing to God, I want to do things God's way, I'm tired of doing them my way. When you start saying things like that, Everything goes, ooh, really? Let's see how much you really mean that. <laughs> well, we'll put that to the test right now. And so guess what he'll do? He'll find, he'll find somebody that's really weak. Come here, weak, weak guy, come here. He'll find somebody who's weak spiritually, and they'll say something so ignorant to you, and you'll be like, did you really just say that? No, this is a perfect church. We never had that happen. We don't have any weak people here. No, the devil will find the, 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 the easiest person that he can find, and he'll use it. It might even be somebody in your own family. You might be driving home, and somebody say, what? What, what are you talking about? Why? Why does, why does that happen? Because you made up your mind. I'm going God's way. I'm going God's way, and then all hell starts breaking loose around you. You're like, what in the world is going on? And you start questioning, maybe I didn't make the right, no, you made the right decision, but now you got to stick with it. Amen. Now you got to go full force because there's something, amen, in your spiritual DNA that says you can make it, you can do this. Even when all hell comes against you, when you've done everything you can, you stand, amen. You Come on, somebody, have your loins girt about with truth. Have on the breastplate of righteousness. Take up the sword of salvation, amen, the sword of the Spirit. Hallelujah. You can do it. You can do it. You can beat the isolation of this world. You can beat the phoniness of this world by being in a real church with real people. I used to get nervous. I used to get really nervous. Now my wife will tell you the truth. She's the level-headed one. People will come to church, be here for a week or two, and they'd be telling me how much they love the church. It's awesome. And and I'd be like, I'd tell her, I'd be like, oh, they seem like such a wonderful family. I think they're going to make great uh, people for this church. They're going to be an awesome church member. They're going to be an awesome family. My wife, she's over there. She'd be like, we'll see. <laughs> and y'all, now you guys are like, oh, really? Sister Kathy, I didn't even know. No, here's what we have found out. We have found out over time that whenever people are required to take off their masks, some people don't like to do that, and they don't stick around. 
But I make no apologies. This is a real church. We have real people in this church with real issues and real problems. And we love every single one of them. And we'll love them until they won't let us anymore. And if that's not the kind of church that you want to be a part of, you're going to have to find some fakeness and phoniness somewhere else. Amen. Because as long as I'm pastor of this church, it's going to be a real church. Because I can't put up with the fake. I, I can't deal with it. Amen. We got to have that truth and that love, and we got to have that family environment that's built into our DNA. Look at what the early church had. That mirrors what the early church had. They had truth, they had love, and they had community. And so if we look at our DNA, we want to be known for what we actually are, not what some of the churches in our world profess to be. I'm sorry, I know that this may come as a shock to some of you, but I I would rather have a lot of small, healthy churches than one big, giant, unhealthy church. Because it's not really a church, it's just a crowd. I'd rather everybody, amen, be moving forward in their walk with God. And sometimes people say, well, I'm, I'm moving, I'm just not moving at a very fast pace. Just keep moving in the right direction. Amen. Just keep going in the right direction. We'll love you. We'll be there to support you. We'll be there to encourage you. Just be real, amen, and let God do the work in your life. Because it's only whenever we get real with God, it's only whenever we take off the mask that He can do His best work. The early church, they were, I mean, you read through the book of Acts and read through some of their prayers. They were so real. They said, you know, we're nervous, but give us boldness. You know, we're hearing all these threatenings. We're hearing this and we're hearing that. And we're seeing, you know, in that time, we're seeing people crucified. We're seeing people burned alive. We're seeing all these things go on around us. And you and I, we don't even, we're just like, you know, we may lose our, our IRS tax exempt status. I mean, uh, really, like we don't have anything to compare it to. We don't have anything to be, well, Bobby at work, he said the Christians are a bunch of phonies. Yeah, who cares? I mean, we have nothing to compare it to. And yet, sometimes we act fearful and we act intimidated and we're, we're too worried about being real with God. We're too worried about being real with each other. But I want this church to be known for, and I want to be known for love. I want to be known for truth. I want to be known for a family atmosphere where even though they may have their disagreements and they may, you know, come to... Fisticuffs? No, I'm just kidding. I saw a, a church fight not too long ago, and it was a real fight. They actually, they went outside and they started fighting. And all I could think was, I wonder if anybody was driving by and what they thought, you know? Like, you could have at least kept it in the church, in the coat room or something. I mean, you know, anyways. No, I I know that sometimes people have disagreements, and you may have to sit on the other side of the sanctuary from them for a while. I get it, but you can work it out. You can. In fact, we've got to work it out if we want to be saved. We ought to be known for love. We ought to be known for truth. We ought to be known as a great family. I believe that the only way that that's possible is if we keep close contact with the Father. It's harder for us to stay in close contact with each other and have a good relationship with each other if we're not close to the Father. We talked about it a few weeks, uh, 
yeah, a few weeks ago, we talked about the prodigal son. And, and we, we kind of relayed this on Thursday night, but the, the younger son that went away and spent all the riotous living and blew all of his inheritance, he wasn't the only son with a problem. Because when he comes back, the, younger, the older son has a problem with the, uh, the younger son, and he's like, Dad, come on. So that lets me know that in the father's house, there's several different kinds of people. There are those who feel entitled and feel self-righteous, and then there are those who, there's the only, the only I can only come back as a servant, and he's like, no, I, you're my son. But I want to be known that we can be the family that works things out. That when people come here, that they feel loved and valued no matter who they are, no matter what their color of skin is, no matter what they were brought up as, and unfortunately in today's world, no matter what they think they are right now. Because only God can touch that kind of mind. Only God can speak to that kind of spirit. So we can't do that, but we can make it possible for God to do it. So today... As we close, one of the best things that I have found to have a great family that has love and has truth built into it. You know, some families, they, they, they're, they're great families, but they're like, their family is just full of lies. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, you know, we're not talking about uncle. And everybody knows, everybody knows, but nobody talks about it. And so they kind of keep that like untrusting, unsafe kind of culture going on in their family. That's not the kind of family that we want to have, but, but there is something to family that just keeps getting together. It's hard for you to stay mad at people that you are doing life with and having fun with. You just work it out. Whenever I got married, some of the best advice I was given was, that marriage is like a one-way bridge. Some of you already know this. You've heard me tell it. I share it sometimes when I do pre-marriage counseling. It's like a one-way bridge. And you're both trying to get across it at the same time. But sometimes you need to back up. And you need to let them cross. And sometimes they need to back up and they need to let you cross. There's got to be a give and a take. If one person's always given and the other person's always taken, then you got a problem. Because the one who's always given will get to a place where they will give no more. And then that relationship will be over. And there will be no healing it. There will be no bringing it back together. So if you're the giver and you're hearing me today and you say, but I, I'm trying to work this thing out with this person in my family or with this person in the church or this person on my job. And I, I feel like I just keep giving and giving and giving. Why don't you have a boundaries conversation with them? And say, I love you, but I love me too. And I, I, I just can't keep doing this. I'm going to get to the place where I can't even be around you anymore. And I don't want that to happen. And, and maybe this person is unaware of what's going on. Maybe they are very aware of what's going on. But have the conversation and let them decide. And if they walk away from you, let them walk. Pastor, even in the church? Yeah, sometimes you just need to give people some space. Why? Because... When they walk away, if they're in the wrong and you pray about it, you know what's going to happen? God's going to deal with their heart. But if you try to force it and you try to put the square peg in the round hole, it's only going to make things worse and cause damage to the square peg and the round hole. So today, 
how do I how do I respond? How do I check my spiritual DNA to see if I line up with what's in the scripture? I, are you known for love? Are you known for truth? Are you known as a family? I want to be that kind of church. I want to be that kind of family. I want to be that kind of place where people know that when, when they get together, it doesn't matter if they, uh, they see each other at Walmart, they're family. It doesn't matter if they meet in somebody's home, they're family. Everywhere they go, it's the body of Christ. It's the family of God. So today, if you're not loving like you should, maybe ask God, God, is something going on in my heart? Am I holding on to anger? Am I holding on to bitterness, unforgiveness? Is there something? Why am I having such a struggle? Every time this person comes into my mind, my blood pressure goes up. I'm just going to stop because some of y'all need to think about that. There are people that just the mention of their name, and you're like, This is what you can do. This is how you start it. Get alone in your prayer time. Don't do it in front of the family. <laughs> Get alone in your prayer time and start, God, I forgive whatever their name is. Let's just say their name is Aiden. I don't know anybody named Aiden. God, I forgive Aiden for lying about me. God, I, I'm, I'm going to quit being angry, but I need your help. So God, please help me to forgive Aiden. I forgive Aiden right now for lying about me. And then, God, would you bless Aiden? Would you help him to get closer to you? Oh, pastor, I don't know if I can do that. Do it. Just do it. Every day, do it. Oh, pastor, I, I can't. I can't. You don't understand what they've done. I do. I do. Because Jesus, while he's being crucified, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. If he could receive that kind of treatment and still forgive and still love and while we were yet sinners, go the extra mile for us, woo, Aiden lying about me ain't no big deal. So I got to forgive. And when I forgive, that love, that Jesus love, that unconditional agape, that gets triggered in my life. And I start loving everybody like I should. That's why when some people get the Holy Ghost, when I got the Holy Ghost, the night I got the Holy Ghost, I hugged everybody in the church. Love gets triggered in your life. That's what you need. You need that love. And the truth, sometimes it, it, it's, it's a scary thing. We don't like to embrace it. We don't like to deal with it. But if truth has taken a backseat to political correctness in your life, and you're like, well, you know, I know the Bible says this, but... And you're making excuses or why you live the way that you live, or why you're doing the things that you are. I think God would understand. If his word doesn't understand, he wouldn't understand. You can get mad at me all you want, but a lot of the things you get mad at me for are things that are in the word of God. So I love you, but if political correctness has kind of bumped truth out of importance in your life, get back to truth. And if maybe you're pulling away from the family today, I don't really need that church. I don't really need those people. I don't like the songs they sing. I don't like the carpet. I don't like the way that preacher yells all the time. And he never even shook my hand. I don't need to be a part of no church. I can love God at home. You're still family. 
even if you don't show up, but you're just kind of estranged family. You're kind of like the cousin we never see. We want to see you. We'd love to find out what's going on in your life. We'd love to be there for you and help you through some of the stormy times that you're going to be going through, but we can't do that if you choose to stay away. If you're pulling away from the family, then may, maybe just today dig into what your spiritual DNA consists of. Would you stand with me? If I claim to be a part of the early church and I claim to be apostolic and, and I say that I'm a Christian or I'm a believer or I'm a disciple of Jesus, I need to find out if that's actually accurate. Maybe it's been a while since you prayed through. Maybe it's been a while since you spoke in tongues. And maybe today you're saying, I, I know it's been a while. Can I, can I just tell you that letting some things go and breaking through in that prayer will help you to be a part of the family like you're supposed to? It will re-trigger some of those things that have been lost in you. When you let those tears flow, and you let your heart be broken again, and you, you surrender everything to God. It may feel weird and awkward because you're taking off the mask, and you know people aren't going to just see the outward facade anymore, but, but man, does it feel good. You will leave here today feeling so refreshed. You'll feel so much better than you did when you even came in. If you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, we want to welcome you to the family today. We want to baptize you in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to see God fill you with His Spirit today. If you've never been filled for the first time, we want you to be filled today. And it starts right here at this altar by turning from your sins, turning from the ways that you think are okay, and you know, well, it doesn't really line up with the Word of God, but I'm going to try it anyways. No. Go God's way today. If love or truth or that family mindset is lacking, your spiritual DNA needs to check today. Come on, you're not leader hosing Christians. There's something more to you, and you need to discover it at this altar today. This altar's open. Amen. I, I want you just to respond today. If you can't make it all the way to this altar, pray where you are. But let's respond today. Let's let God check us in our spiritual DNA, show us who we were really meant to be, and remind us that we belong to Him. No place I'd rather be no place I'd rather be, no place I'd rather be than here in your love, here in your love. No place I'd rather be, no place I'd rather be, no place I'd rather be than here in your love.